0: Welcome to the pain-free zone. Your host, Nisi Edwards, is founder of the Vibro Patient Education and Support Organization, and she's here to offer help and hope to the millions of individuals who suffer from chronic pain. Now, here's Nisi Edwards. I can't hear anything. Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. I am your host, Nisi Edwards. So today we're going to be dividing up the show for the first half an hour. I'm going to be sharing with you all about the Mayo Clinic, my journey to the Mayo Clinic, my experience. In the second half of the hour, we're going to be talking about our upcoming Solidarity Summit. And I'm going to give you the details about that. It's an online summit and share with you what you need to know about the summit and how you can benefit from it. So those of you who listen to the show regularly may have noticed that for about two weeks, um, I was not on the air. My co-host, Cindy Perlin, a, a big thanks to Cindy for helping me out. Um, she filled in the air for me when I was away. Where I went was to the Mayo Clinic. And before I get into the reasons why, I want to share with you some information about U.S. News and World Report, their best hospitals ranking for 2016 through 2017. Surprise, surprise, Mayo Clinic was recognized as the nation's number one hospital. And that's right, the nation's number one hospital. And uh, uh, I really feel that they are the number one. They're definitely the number one for me. Um, On the list uh, is as follows. So I mentioned Mayo Clinic, and I need to specify Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota is number one. Number two is the Cleveland Clinic. Number three is the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Number four is Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. Number five is UCLA Medical Center. Number six is New York Presbyterian University Hospital of Columbia in Cornell. Number seven is UCSF Medical Center San Francisco. Number eight, Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago. Number nine, Hospitals of the University of Pennsylvania, Penn, Presbyterian, Philadelphia. Number 10, NYU Langone Medical Center. Number 11, Barnes Jewish Hospital, Washington University, St. Louis. Number 12, UPMC Presbyterian Shadyside Pittsburgh 13 Brigham and Women's Hospital Boston 14 is Stanford Health Stanford Hospital in Stanford California number 15 Mount Sinai Hospital New York number 16 is Duke University Hospital Durham North Carolina number 17 is Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, Los Angeles. Number 18 is University of Michigan Hospital and um, Health Centers, Ann Arbor. Number 19 is Houston Methodist Hospital. And number 20 was the University of Colorado Hospital, Aurora. So I'm dedicating today's show to those of you who are just like me, uh, someone with a chronic health condition who for many years have been trying and seeking to find the right doctor for them. And by the right doctor, I'm referring to specifically someone who really gets you as a patient, someone who understands you as a patient, not just your diagnosis, but someone who has seen other patients just like you when they've never seen other patients just like you. That's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, for starters, number one, if they haven't seen patients just like you, they really don't have much experience with your condition. So you need someone, number one who understands your diagnosis, who has experience treating it, who's seen enough patients that they really are comfortable in treating that condition. Also, that they are keeping educated on the latest and greatest, newest technologies and treatment and therapies for that condition. The other aspect that goes along with that is that they truly care about providing quality patient care and that they take the time to listen to you as a patient to better understand what you're coming from, where you're coming from, because your illness You're more, you're greater than your illness. Anytime you have a chronic condition, you're not just dealing with that diagnosis. You are dealing with everything that comes along with the territory. So, for example, most people who have a chronic condition that's ongoing, sometimes you do have to take time off for work. Sometimes you wake up in the morning, you don't feel well. So, if you're someone who's listening to the show who may not understand this, you may be saying, "Well, yeah, that can work for anyone who wakes up in the morning, they see who doesn't feel well." Yes and no. The difference is that if you don't have a chronic condition, you may have some days that you wake up in the morning. True enough, you don't feel well. Okay, you know, you bounce back. When you have a long-standing chronic condition, it's not always so easy. When you have a long-standing chronic condition. There are some days, hours, months, and even years where you seemingly have a hard time just trying to stay on track. You suffer in the sense that if you're still in the workforce, getting up every morning when you don't feel good and going in to work is very challenging, especially depending upon the type of job that you have. There are some employers out there who will do their best to work with you. And then there are some, let's face it, who just don't care. Not to mention your coworkers. And you don't want to go to work telling everybody what your personal business is. That's your own PHI, your own personal protected health information that needs to be kept private. And I say private because if that information gets in the hands of the wrong companies or individuals, They will use that information to discriminate against you based upon your diagnosis. People with a chronic condition, they're used to, just like many of you, working a job. They have a wealth of experience, but sometimes they're not given the opportunity to really excel in the manner in which they can because the company that they work for may not be willing to make personal modifications for them in order to be successful on the job. On the job, you typically get your maybe two 15-minute breaks. You're lucky if you get the two 15-minute breaks and they permit you to take, let's say, another 20 to 30 minutes. In addition to that, some employers, let's say you're someone that has carpal tunnel syndrome. Um, There are a lot of modifications. I'm just using that as an um Example that came to mind because you see that a lot in the workforce also where employers will make modifications to raising your desk, lowering your desk, making certain that you have the ergonomic equipment that you have. But not all are willing to do that because there is a fee involved, lowering the desk, raising the desk, making certain that it's ergonomically fit for you. Every employer is not willing to do that. I don't care even if the law even states that there are certain things that they're required to do. Some of them will willfully even disobey those rules and guidelines. I once worked for a company where the, um, the restroom for, for the disabled was not even in the same office suite. They had to take the elevator and go over far to another building just to be able to access the washroom for for handicap, which I think personally is crazy that that shouldn't be permitted. But today's show, like I said, is dedicated to those of you who are like me with a long standing chronic condition. So what do these hospital rankings mean and should they matter? So let's say you are a patient in your 80s or 90s with pancreatic cancer, just using that as an example. So you're in your 80s and your 90s, and the doctor tells you you may need to have surgery. So most hospitals will reject you possibly as a patient due to your age. Two, some would reject you if they do not have these surgeons, the specialists, who have the expertise to remove the cancer without harming the rest of your fragile pancreas. And there are some who really don't care. You know, they'll do the surgery, and I hate to say it, sometimes, you know, it's all about the almighty dollar. It's all about making mean green, getting that cash. But your health should not be compromised. And these rankings should matter to us as chronic is a patient with a chronic condition because this is your kind of like, I view it as a roadmap for you to assess and research what institutions are out there. So using myself as an example, I was diagnosed probably about 17 years ago with an autoimmune condition. And that autoimmune condition has just... Been with me, it seems like forever. You know, it's it's always there. It has um, it's never left me. I've been taking medication for it for seventeen years, and what happened was, it started attacking other organs in my body. And just like many of you who have a chronic condition, I was very frustrated because I was not able to find quality care. I have seen so many rheumatologists that I've lost track now of counting. And I say I've seen so many because when you've seen seven, eight, or ten different rheumatologists and no one can seemingly figure out what your diagnosis is, it's downright depressing. It makes you angry. It just makes you sad in your soul sometimes because sometimes you feel that you're the only one who has this condition and you feel that way because you see that the physician, they don't even know what you have. So if they don't know what you have and you know you have something, but you just don't know what it is and the doctor can't figure it out. Can you imagine how that makes you feel? It makes you feel lonely. It makes you feel so isolated. It makes you feel sad. It makes you feel angry. It stresses you out because then your mind starts racing. Well, if the doctor can't figure it out, what I have, maybe is this, maybe is that maybe it's cancer, maybe it's not cancer, maybe whatever it is, is so advanced or so far gone that there's no help for me. I mean, your mind starts doing all that to you because you desperately want to know what you have, and nobody can tell you. So that was my experience. Nobody can tell me. Each time I would go see a different room, a rheumatologist, it's the same old, same old. You go in, present yourself as a patient. They ask you why you're here. You tell them why you're there. And they order all these lab tests. The last time they ordered 11 to 12 different tubes of blood. And um, I'll never forget it because this particular day, I just was not feeling well at all. Just a lot of pain, not feeling well, you know, tired and fatigued. And after ordering those 11 to 12 tubes of blood, what had happened was they said, okay, follow up in three to four weeks. And before the three to four weeks come, we'll be in contact with you to let you know what the test results are. I'm like, perfect. Perfect. They didn't follow up in three to four weeks. Three to four weeks, I mean, I didn't get no phone call telling me anything. I go back to this physician, and again, this was a new rheumatologist. I go back to him again, and, you know, I'm sitting there after waiting a long time. Even though I arrived on time for my appointment, I'm sitting in the waiting room for a long time, waiting for them to call my name and praying all at the same time, saying, dear God, you know, Let today be the day where I get the diagnosis. They can help me. They can tell me, you know, what they're going to do. And they call me in the exam room and the doctor comes in and I'm waiting for him, you know, to tell me, tell me something. And he looks at me and he says, I need to order more blood tests. I says, you're kidding me. I says, well, can you at least tell me what you think it may be? You know, just give me an idea as to what you're thinking, tell me something. He says, no, I got to run several more tubes of blood and then you can follow up with me within a month's time. Now think about it. I've already been to him, had 11 to 12 tubes of blood drawn. They say that they're going to follow up with me three to four weeks to give by phone to give me some test results. And then I come back for an appointment. No phone call. I go back three to four weeks later and he still don't know anything. And he tells me again that he needs to run more tubes. He needs to, I'm um, sorry, he needs to t- draw more blood. Going back initially to the same physician, not only did they draw all those tubes of blood, I had to have a lot of x-rays. So I'm thinking, surely you have all this information. You should be able to tell me something. And he said nothing. He did tell me that I needed to have some ultrasounds done and that his staff would follow up with me and schedule the appointment. And I said, OK. And you know what happened? They never followed up with me. They never made the appointment. So here I am calling back to this new doctor. Here I am, this new patient calling his doctor back again, saying, OK. You know, I was in your office. This was the situation. Someone said that they would follow up with me. They didn't. Then they were supposed to schedule the ultrasound, and they didn't schedule that either. So, you know, I'm leaving this message because no matter what day of the week I will call them, guess what? They never answered their phone. I always received a voicemail message. And to top it all off, they didn't call me back. How I finally got in contact with them was I had to keep calling them, which really angered me at this point, because I felt that if you don't think enough of me as a patient to have common decency to return the phone call, then I don't think enough of you to continue treating with you. So on this last day that I called and they answered the phone, I asked them, I says, did you not receive my messages? And the reply was, yes, we received them and that was it. Nothing else. So can you imagine how that made me feel as a patient? It didn't make me feel good at all. So hold that thought. We're just going to take a break and then, uh, I'll be right back with the rest. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pain Free Zone. Here's Niecy Edwards. Welcome back to the Pain Free Zone. I'm your host Niecy Edwards. So what we're talking about the first half an hour is my experience and my journey to Mayo Clinic. I shared with you earlier what the um, U.S. News and World Reports what the um, Best hospitals, the rankings for 2016 to 2017. So I want to pick up where we left off. I was sharing with you all about my experience with this um, one rheumatologist. So anyway, when he, you know, not the doc, not the doctor, but the physician staff, when I asked the question, well, did you get my messages and They said, yes, we got them. That was it. Not, I'm sorry. I didn't call you back. Nothing. So that didn't make me feel valued. It didn't make me feel respected. And that was the end of the conversation. So at this point, you know, imagine I'm very angry because I've seen back-to-back physicians and no one could figure out what's going on with me. And I started to think that, you know what, I've heard so much about Mayo Clinic, um, my former neighbor had told me a lot about um, the Mayo Clinic. Um, she since relocated, but um, what she had shared with me about maybe two years ago was that she had two family members that was um, having mm-hmm. some serious um, problems with their heart. They went to Mayo Clinic, and they were able to get to the root cause as to what their diagnosis was, and got them back on track, they're excelling, their health is improved, they're thriving as patients. And she has shared with me that, you know, that's the best hospital in the world. And I always remembered in the back of my mind, what my neighbor has shared with me about her experiences at Mayo Clinic. Then I had a family member whom had traveled to Mayo Clinic a couple of years ago as well. And they spoke very highly of Mayo Clinic. So It was just a natural, you know, progression for me to say, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the Mayo Clinic. Well, you don't just go to the Mayo Clinic. Um, There is a process. And the reason why I say you just don't go is because Mayo Clinic is just so large. There are so many physicians and you basically need an appointment. And so what the process was, just to share a little bit of that with you, was I called the Mayo Clinic. I spoke with one of their representatives and shared with them what was going on with me. And they said that someone would be calling me back the very next day to do an assessment. And they were true to their word. They called me the very next day and they were timely. They were very pleasant. They were very professional. And they took down some information, asked me a series of questions. And it was kind of a lengthy call. I would say for that call, maybe 45 minutes, close to an hour. Um, but anyway, they said, OK, we're going to review all the information you've provided. And we're going to get back with you within a few days to let you know if we feel that we can help you. So they call me back and they says, yes, we feel that we can help you. We would love for you to travel Nisi to the Mayo Clinic. And my appointment was for at that point, Three weeks later, which I thought was very good, very reasonable, considering the, the distance that I had to travel from the Chicagoland area to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Because if you think about having to see a specialist, sometimes to see a specialist, and I'm speaking of locally, you call the doctor to, to try to get an appointment, you may have to wait eight weeks. Sometimes they'll tell you there are three weeks booked up. But Mayo Clinic, they got me in in three weeks time, three weeks tops. So I had to go there twice. So the first time I went there, I just took the train there. And in Chicago, if you're taking the train, you take the train and it lets you off in Winona, uh, Minnesota. And from there, you can just get um, picked up from one of those transportation Companies or a shuttle, and then they pick you up at the uh, train station and they sh- shuttle you directly to Rochester, Minnesota. You know, you check into a hotel. Uh, I made an appointment. I made um, I reserved a room. And so, before I even left for Mayo Clinic, they had already sent me an email as well as a package in the mail letting me know that these are the dates of all my appointments. These are the physicians that I am going to see. The buildings, what you need to know, everything. Now, that was my first experience with them. And I thought, wow, you know, this is pretty darn good. So I arrived, very nice hotel that I stayed in. And uh, I was blessed because my hotel was really right across the street from um, the Mayo Clinic at the Gonda building. And uh, that made it even nice. And the best part about it when you go to Rochester, Minnesota is, you know, they get really cold up there, colder than Chicago, and you don't have to step outside at all because you can take the elevator to the subway level and just walk to where you need to go, you know, throughout town. So the day of my appointment with the first doctor, it was the internist that I met with. Very, very, very nice. In fact, before he even examined me, He talked to me for a long time and I want to back up for a minute because before I saw him, I saw his nurse and she asked me a series of questions, got me checked in. And then from there, I saw the doctor and we just talked for a long time before he even examined me at all. And part of the discussion was about, you know, who I am, where I'm from, you know, what brings me to Mayo What's going on with me? You know, and he he said to me, just tell me anything you want to tell me that you feel I need to know in terms of what you're dealing with because I want to understand the complete story. I want to help you. How many times have you heard a physician say, tell me everything because I really want to help you? I don't know about you. It's not that many that do that because usually you only get... 10 to 15 minutes, and that's truly drive-through, drive-through health care. Not enough time to get to the root cause, not enough time for the doctor to figure out the plan of care. So he and I talked for quite a bit, and as we would talk, he actually made eye contact with me. Now, that matters to me. That's important to me because I, I want to know that you hear me and that you see me and that you are listening to me that matters because let's face it you want to feel that that person really cares about you as a patient that they're taking an interest in you and that they truly care about helping you that made me feel really good I knew then that I'm going to get somewhere and so we continued to talk and he took notes and then um you bring with you to the Mayo Clinic. You bring with you your medical records. You know your labs, your X-rays, your medical records. They say no more than 50 pages of records. And I know that when you have a chronic condition, it's going to be more than 50 pages of medical records that you have. But they only want the up to the first 50 of what's the most pertinent to the reason for your visit. So that was easy to narrow down because. I knew why I was going to see them and I had the newest labs and x-rays and reports. So you need to take all that with you. You bring it with you. You don't mail it and you don't want to mail it because they're so large and that stuff can get lost. You bring it with you. And when you bring it with you, they scan everything into their system. They're reviewing everything. And did you not know that even any Labs and x rays you may have had, they're re reviewing that information too. And then, so he had all that information, we went through it, and then after all that, oh, in addition to that, any, um, make a list of all your medications and not just your meds, your supplements too. Because, you know, know it or not, a lot of times, supplements that you buy OTC over the counter, A lot of those supplements can have fillers and other stuff in it that's not the real thing. Now, I take a lot of supplements, but they're quality supplements. And I'm mentioning the supplements because they want to know what supplements you are taking. So if you go there, what I recommend that you do is jot down the list of all your drugs. In fact, type it all up, print it all out, have a printout. Of all your current medications, your current supplements, they need that information. Um, if you can bring some of the bottles with you, um, my bottles of my supplements, of course, I couldn't bring because I have a lot of supplements because I also do a lot of juicing. And so they are bigger bottles so they wouldn't travel well. But you just put them all together on the list so that you can present that to the doctor because they need to know because think about it. You could be taking a supplement or something that may be interacting with your meds without you even being aware. So that's why you want to be concise. So for me, the way I approached it was this may be a once in a lifetime opportunity to travel here. So I'm going to make it the best experience for me. I am going to be organized and prepared. I'm going to be organized to have all of my current medical records. I'm going to have a list of all my drugs as well as my supplements, any surgical procedures you have had, have all that organized, the dates. Don't go there and you can't tell them anything because then you've wasted your time and you've wasted their time because there's other patients that could have used that time to get in to see the doctor. So I'm sharing all this with you so that you can be organized. You owe it to yourself. That's part of your self-care to be organized with your medical records. And for you as a patient to know your dates, dates in terms of, okay, you had this surgical procedure when? Don't say 10 years ago, 50 years ago, you know, know it, know the dates, even know what the procedure was. All that stuff matters. It may not matter to you, but it's going to matter to them. Okay. So I gave them all that information, well documented and organized, and then we proceeded to the exam. And it was a lengthy exam. He was very gentle. He talked to me. And um I thought, wow, this is really thorough. Do you know? I thought about it when I returned to my um, hotel room. I says, wow, I am really exhausted. And I said, why am I exhausted? And then I realized, because he spent that much time with me, getting to know me, asking me questions, looking at my medical records. And just talking to me, and I realized at that point in time that, wow, I don't know any other doctor, let alone rheumatologist, who has done that. Now, my primary care physician, which is rare, um he had taken a lot of time to get to know me, but not at that higher level. And it was just simply amazing to me from that first visit. So after that exam, we talked about some things. And um, he says, "Okay, I've examined you. I've looked over everything. Um, Nisi, I'm the internist. So at this point, he says, when you leave here, I'm going to send you over because although you have these labs here, there are some other labs that you need to have done that was never ordered before. So you go to the lab and he says, now you go to the lab, you come back and he says, I'm going to order some other physicians for you to see. I also want you to see a rheumatologist here. So I went, I had the labs done. And um at that point, I had a few other appointments done, but uh, then I had to leave and come back home because my appointment for the rheumatologist wasn't for a few more days because at the time they were having some type of conference going on. And they were booked with this particular rheumatologist that I needed to see. And I remember one of the office staffs telling me that the physician that I need to see just how thorough he is and that, you know, he takes a lot of time with his patients. And um would I mind staying there for a few more days or going back home and coming back? And I says, absolutely. I mean, why not? Right. I mean, it's worth it to me. And so. I met with this rheumatologist. We went over my lab results and um he shared with me, you know, his preliminary findings. But he also mentioned to me, OK, he says, there's some something else I need to just double check. And he looked at me fairly squarely in the eye and he says, Nisi, I've looked through all your medical records. You've been dealing with this for way too long not to have a diagnosis. And he says, I owe it to you as a patient to give you the diagnosis to let you know what's going on. He says, because this is ridiculous to be suffering and dealing with this for so long and not to know what's going on. And um he gave me my diagnosis and um I just felt relieved that You know, after all these years, I now know what's wrong with me. Um, He even explained to me that that was part of the reason why I was experiencing things, you know, with the autoimmune condition. And I mean, they just give you the big picture. And from there, I had to see another physician and then I had to have um, an MRI with contrast. And so I had never, I've had MRIs before, but never an MRI with contrast. I've had had other um, tests with contrast, but the contrast that they use for the MRI um, is different uh, from the CT scans. And um, wouldn't you know it, I would have to have an allergic reaction to the dye. And I was having the allergic reaction where my lip felt like it was getting numb Um, a lot of itching and they were so kind and, you know, um, at this point, I believe I was in the emergency room area and they says, we're going to keep you here and and monitor you just to make certain uh, that all is well. They gave me Benadryl and again, I felt really cared for not, I didn't feel like a number. I mean, they were really, really concerned uh, about me and told me that if there was no one there with me, that they would not be able to release me. But my husband, um, was there with me on this particular visit and it was fine. And then um, I got up the next morning, went back to Mayo Clinic and got the rest of my diagnosis. And before I even left, they had already put together a plan of tr- care for me, a plan of treatment. They told me, number one, this is your diagnosis. And not only is this your diagnosis, this is the medical care and treatment that we're recommending That you have done. So hold that thought, folks. We're going to get ready for another break, and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Pain-Free Zone on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Nisi Edwards. Welcome back, everyone. This is Niecy. And so getting back to my experience at the Mayo Clinic, so they give you your diagnosis, and not only do they provide the diagnosis, um, it, is a, it is a very concise, lengthy report that lists your diagnosis. They summarize it and break it down, even your Test results, they summarize that. Um, they even put down what the recommended course of treatment or therapy is. Um, they definitely do that. And uh, you take that information, and when you return home, you coordinate that care with your physician, your local physician, and you go from there. Now, you may be wondering, well, how do they determine how these hospitals um, make the report? Well, it's all based upon outcomes. So that's the methodology that they use in terms of outcomes. And so some of the outcomes are um, as follows: is they're they're looking at um, the survival rate. Um, they're looking at the number. Uh, they're evaluating. The procedures, the conditions, they're, they're also getting um, re- referrals from other physicians. I mean, I'm just naming some of the things. is really quite comprehensive of an analysis that they do when they're ranking these hospitals because they're also looking at not only mortality, they're looking at um, readmissions. They're looking at length of stay. Um, foremost, they're looking at the quality of care. So there's about, in in 2017, U.S. News World Report, they evaluated more than 4,500 hospitals across more than 75 measures for care. And that generated the procedure and condition ratings. Okay. And so when you have, for example, a surgical procedure or any type of procedure, there there's rating ratings for that. There's also different associations and hospital associations who are ranking these facilities. Um, Medicare uh, also ranks them as well. Um, I can't list all of them um, for you on the show, but um, what you can do is go to U.S. News and World Report. And you can check it out yourself because I know that they're just looking at so many different things when it comes down to, um, putting them on this list. They're also looking at, um, patient satisfaction. I mean, it's just so many things. So these outcome measures, it do matter. So getting back to me. So you get that report, you go home. Um, they also mail you a report. At home, Um, they'll tell you if you need a follow up visit to the Mayo Clinic. And when you return and you make your appointment and they're just kind, very, very thorough. I was so happy that I went. The only thing that made me angry was the fact that it took so many years to get to my diagnosis. And I really, to be honest, I really feel that this should have been achievable a long time ago. And the reason why I feel that it wasn't is because we need to stop all this drive-through delivery. We don't have um, a health care system in the U.S. We have a sick care system. And I say that sick care system because there's really nothing in place um, for you to go someplace for the doctors to really take the time to figure out what's wrong with you. Think about how many times you've made an appointment with your doctor, the number one thing they're asking you is what you're coming in to be seen for. They're asking you that question because that determines how much face-to-face time you are going to get with your physician. And um in terms of what I need, you know, before I went to Mayo, these doctors were not willing to do that. Now, I was saying to my husband, I said, you know, it's amazing I go to Mayo Clinic and get a diagnosis and get a plan of treatment. But doctor locally and at home, I got to keep going 30 days here, 30 days there, and 30 days there. More tests, more tests, more tests. And they still can't figure it out. Stop and think about how much money that costs. Okay, each time I go to the doctor, there's a copay. There's a coinsurance. You know, there's all these labs. I mean, there's always something, but yet they can seemingly never tell you what's going on with you. So for anyone listening to the show, you may have a loved one or so a loved one with a chronic condition or maybe even yourself. I'm sharing my dream today with you about the Mayo Clinic, because I want you to know that just like, and I'm going to speak to Women first. Ladies, just like, you know, we'll travel far to get our nails done, to get our hair done. You know, even the foods you buy. You know, you may travel across town or other places to buy certain foods. You know, we've got to be more diligent when it comes to our health. We've we've got to really become our own health activists and to go out there and get the care and treatment we need. Now, I had to travel all the way to Mayo Clinic. I've shared with you all today the top 20 hospitals for the 2016 to 2017 Best Hospitals Honor Roll. You may live in some of these cities and states where you may not have to travel as far as I did. And if you are, you're blessed. But um, I had to travel a distance. And I'm so glad I did because you know what? It's all about self-care. I love myself enough that I want the very best. Now, Sometimes, you know, some doctors may not want you to go to the Mayo Clinic, and I'm going to tell you why. You may talk to your physician and say, "Hey, I'm going to the Mayo Clinic." Now, when I went to the Mayo Clinic, I didn't need my my physician's um approval. I have health care insurance. It is not an HMO, so an HMO you do need a referral. Um I have a PPO plan, and you call your insurance to verify that they're in network. And Mayo Clinic was in network. And if they're out of network, then, you know, you have to decide upon yourself financially if you can afford to go or not. But find out if they're in uh, network and they probably are in network with a lot of these health care plans due to their sheer size in their specialties. And, um, you know, it does matter. Self-care does matter. You have to put yourself first. Some doctors may not want you to go to Mayo Clinic and not just Mayo Clinic. I'm going to give you an example of something. Some doctors will keep you coming back and back, coming back, coming back and coming back, never give you a diagnosis. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing is outside of their scope. And many of them are not going to tell you, you know what? I'm not familiar with this. It's outside of my scope. I'm going to refer you out. They're not, all of them are not going to do that because if they work for a medical association or a clinic, that may not be the messaging that that organization is giving the doctors. They may be telling them, no, 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 don't refer them out. Don't refer them out. You just keep them coming. You know, we'll figure it out. Mm -mm. Don't let them do that to you. Your life is too precious to be placing it in someone's hands who don't know what they're doing. You need to be somewhere where you can get the help and treatment you need. Now, right now I'm going to speak to my fibromyalgia um warriors, some chronic pain warriors. You know, when it comes down to fibromyalgia, it's a syndrome, right? It's a syndrome of many conditions, doctors seemingly can't figure out what to do with us. And I say us because I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia as well. Going to Mayo Clinic was really the best thing that's ever happened to me. And you know what? They have a fibromyalgia clinic. They do. They have a fibromyalgia clinic. They understand fibromyalgia. See, that's that's why I sing the Mayo Clinic high praises because their physicians, the specialties, I mean, think about it. They see so many different patients from all over the world. Not only do they see so many different patients from all over the world, they are treating so many different conditions. So the odds are your local physician may not have seen or have experience with treating XYZ condition, but I guarantee you that the Mayo Clinic has. They know. They can give you answers. So purpose in your own heart, how are you going to use this information? Mayo Clinic may not be for everyone. I'm just sharing with you what my experience is. Um, grab that report from U.S. News and World Report, and you can see the rankings of all these hospitals yourself. Uh one thing that I did learn about Mayo while I was there is they do understand fibromyalgia. They have a fibromyalgia clinic. And I've gone to other fibromyalgia uh clinics in the Chicagoland area or some of these um they call them boot camps. They're like 5 weeks, 5 days a week, very overwhelming. They they don't do that um at Mayo. Their fibromyalgia clinic, I believe is two if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's two and a half days and um it's it's a really good program, so check it out um if you're someone that's um diabetic, for example, they even have um a program for diabetes and with their program that I thought was really nice is they even help you with the kitchen prep you know i I saw uh an oven and everything in there where they teach people how to prep for meals and I thought, hey, they're all about wellness, and they are they are a large institution when you go make certain you have uncomfortable walking shoes you're going to need it but um by and large it was a a wonderful experience and i'm so glad that i went and if there's others listening to the show today and you're looking for a place and your doctor can't figure it out hey check out that list from u.s news and world report mayo is ranked number one um on that list and um Cleveland Clinic is ranked number two, but you can pull the list yourself, and you can see everyone that is on the list. So, you know, we um, we're just we're nearing year end for 2017, and you know what? Make up in your mind that you know what my doctor may not configure out what's wrong with me, but I'm going to find someone who can't. Do not let fear hold you back from venturing out. Because for me, I never want a doctor to say to me, had you come sooner, I would have been able to help you. That's why I went to the Mayo Clinic. So we only have a little bit more time left in the show. And I want to talk to you about what's coming up on December 11th. So December 11th is the Holiday Solidarity Virtual Summit. I am the host and organizer of the summit and it's all about five days. We're going to have five days of speakers, a, a different speaker each day on a different topic. It's all about during the holiday, helping it stay the most wonderful time of the year. I don't know that many other places out there that, do, that have done summits geared towards people with a chronic condition to help give you tools and guidelines to enjoy the holidays. And briefly, just to share with you who are some of the speakers. We're going to have Dr. Carrie Driska. Uh, She is a Canadian. She's going to be on the show. She's a functional medicine doctor. And uh, she is going to be speaking on the summit. So functional medicine doctors get to the root cause. You definitely want to check her out. Then we have Michael Carmen. Michael Carmen, she is a wellness consultant as well as a psychotherapist. And guess what? She was actually on the pain-free zone. So you need to go to our episode page and check out her show. She's going to be one of the speakers. And we have Cheryl Meyer, the health muse. She was also on the pain-free zone. She's going to be the other speaker. And then we're going to have Dr. Ginevra Lipton. She's an MD as well as an internist. She's going to be on day four. And I'm going to be the speaker for day five. And so for each day, we're going to be talking about number one, uh, if you're a fibromyalgia patient. How do you educate your family and loved ones and friends as to what is fibromyalgia? How do you manage during the holiday? We're going to talk about um stress. We're going to talk about toxins. You know, what you eat, what you put on your skin, all those things, how it affects your health. I'm going to talk to you on day five about affirmations, speaking life over yourself. I mean, it's just going to be a phenomenal summit. It's online. How you get to that information if you go to my website, Info, or you can give me a call at 224-AREA-CODE-225-9478 for more information on the summit. You definitely want to check it out. We're going live with this summit on Monday, December 11th. So thank you for tuning in today's show. I'm your host, Nisi Edwards. This is the Pain-Free Zone. And we've been talking about today, Mayo Clinic, my journey and experience and the upcoming summit, the Holiday Solidarity Summit. Check it out. Be blessed.